This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood-Hessian. Hey, it's Rebecca. How's it going? Some of you may not know that in 2011, I did a TEDx talk called ADHD as Our Innovators. It was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And It's amazing to me that I still get messages from people all over the world about that talk. And I got one today. And it always makes me emotional because the messages I get are usually from people with ADHD who say things to me like, you might be the only person who gets me. Um, The most profound one was someone in the UK, it's been several years ago, who told me that they had considered taking their own life that morning and they found my talk and had hope that there were people in the world that understood. I can't tell that story ever without tearing up um, because I certainly had no idea the profound impact that that talk would have. I did the talk because I had been studying ADHD for years because my now ex-husband and my son both um, had struggled with that. (laughs) And so because I loved them, I spent a lot of time researching to try to understand more about it. And so that is where the root of exploring neuroscience and education and fitting in versus belonging and how we relate to each other became a foundation for the work that I do today. And in fact, I I wrote a book. I didn't actually publish it as a book. I published it as uh, training modules for parents of kids with ADHD. And it was called Not Wrong, Just Different. And in studying the differences in our brains and how that relates, how, how that impacts how we relate to one another, it really became the foundation for write your own story that we're all unique It's not just those with ADHD or not ADHD. Every single one of us is unique down to our fingerprints. So the TED Talk really explains that someone with an ADHD brain has this ability to hyper-focus where they can just block out so many other things to intensely study and focus on something that they're interested in which can be a huge value to organizations um, when you understand how to point that gift at research and development, innovation of some kind, looking for creative answers to problems. And unfortunately, what often happens is 
we don't celebrate those differences and use them in a constructive, creative way. So in studying our differences, it led me to create the coaching model that I have now based on my book, Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive as a Badass Career Woman. The third key is rhythm. Because living life in rhythm allows for the ebb and the flow of our natural lives and nature around us to guide us versus what we've been taught, which is control. That's where we get terms like life balance, where it's supposed to be uh, balanced in terms of the measurement of time. And that's just not the natural way of things. It's the machine-like way of things. And we are not machines here to produce. We are humans here to add value, be relevant, and have an impact with other humans. And so the third key of rhythm is flow, not force. One of the ways I like to explain it is you think about the difference between an alarm clock and a song. <laughs> an alarm clock is the it's this cadence that is annoying and it says shut it off I can't take it anymore that's why it's the sound of an alarm clock because you are so moved negatively by it that you're like boom that wakes me up and I have to shut it off well that's what some of of what we've been taught is our lives are supposed to have this controlled cadence. Well, that's not engaging. That's like, ugh, make it stop. Music, on the other hand, has an ebb and a flow. It has pauses in between the beats at times. It's more um, indicative of a life well-lived and a beautiful song or music will engage us and invite us to lean in and participate in that. And so we want our lives to be more like a beautiful song than a robotic cadence. So the third key of rhythm is about how we see time. And when you think about education in our earliest days of developing school put us in these 40 minute time blocks start stop raise your hand if you need to go to the bathroom everything was in this controlled cadence and somewhere over time we've grown to believe that that's the way that life should be and that's not the truth <laughs> And so I, I say that and, and combine that with the ADHD talk because one of the challenges of someone with ADHD is about their perception and value of time. And they're often late uh, because they're so engaged in something or so disengaged from something that the regular time blocks and cadence don't register with them the same as it does for others. 
And, and, and so what's happened then is we have this value of time that we start to associate with intelligence and respect. And that's not really true either. I'm going to read an excerpt out of my book, Write Your Own Story, from the section on rhythm. I love calling it the rhythm section. <laughs> it makes me happy. <laughs> it says, in fact, controlling time has become the mark of high character. The more one can control time, the better the human they are. Said with my sarcasm font. <laughs> Because of this desire to control time and the heroic nature we have placed on the overwhelmed, we believe that organized and punctual equals smarter and respectful. Messy and late equals lazy and disrespectful. Nope, it's not true. Those desks at school in their neat rows with the same amount of time allocated for each class and the rules about late work not counting for your grade led us to believe if you're not neat and on time, you're not smart or as valuable and relevant. That's bullshit. Brilliant people are being left out of important conversations about strategy and solving critical issues, and they're passed over for promotions because they don't return emails promptly or are late for meetings. We place timeliness of a person in the same category as respect and intelligence. Ask yourself, is the person's lateness negatively affecting you? Or are you just annoyed believing your way is the right way? What would extending some grace do for that person? If I'm meeting with someone and they text me frantically, I'm sorry, I'm late. The kind of message where you can just feel their stress. I love responding with breathe, be safe. Things happen. I'm enjoying a few minutes to relax. I'll see you when you get here. People who are chronically late are more optimistic, think more quickly on their feet, often have higher intelligence, are interested in many things, and due to their optimism, actually may live longer. And yet, because of our addiction to control and order, we look down upon those who can't get to the meeting on time or don't respond to emails by the end of the day. We've adopted time as a social virtue, when in fact, Time perception and attention are largely psychological, not at all based on our character. And so rhythm as the third key to rise and thrive puts control and time-based views in perspective and invites us to zoom out and see things differently because there are so many brilliant people that have been told that they're not because of their, I'm not going to say inability to manage time, but because their view of things is based on interest more than time. Uh, one particular study, uh, um, psychiatrist William Dodson says that by the age of 12, a child with ADHD will have 20,000 more negative messages in their lives from teachers, parents, and others. And so 
they start to believe that they're not good enough, not enough. And the consequences are dire. And if you look around your workplace, ask yourself, who are those people that struggle with getting to meetings on time or maybe don't respond to your emails in a timely basis? That has nothing to do with their intelligence, their character, their respect. And so if we allowed ourselves to look at them and ask, what are their gifts and talents? What are, what are they really about? And what do they have to offer to this organization? I wonder if we invited them into the conversation in a more meaningful way, what that could mean to our teams and our organizations. I had a colleague once that once I taught her more about ADHD and how the ADHD brain works and some of these concepts, she messaged me and said about a particular colleague that we both worked with who raging ADD, brilliant, but raging ADD, always late, always, you know, time was a whole different ball game for him. She said, you know, since I've listen to you explain this to me about ADHD and, and how they perceive time. And she said, this person no longer bothers me. And I've started to see how valuable they are for our team. And we're working so much better together. I can't tell you how much those messages just warm my heart. Because that message in comparison to the ones I get from people who tell me how hard their life is and think that I'm the only one that understands a stranger from the internet who put a message out um, a decade ago, that's concerning. <laughs> so when we approach life with connection versus control, we build greater communities we invite others into the conversation that are worthy and intelligent and good humans that should be a part of the conversation. So, I don't know. Sometimes I think, is it even possible to heal all of the hurt that's been caused by this industrial model of life and work? And when I get overwhelmed with it, I just, I look at one or two of those messages and I think if, if just one or two of them could have a different life, could have a better life, it's worth it. But I absolutely believe that if we built commerce, business, companies based on community, what I call the age of human humanity versus the industrial age, where we have a human's first view and not a money first or that machining kind of um, control measure, optimize everything mindset. And we honor the business needs to control measure, optimize and marry those with the human needs to be personal, emotional, and social. The connection of those two needs being met 
we can actually heal hearts, not cause burnout and all of the pain that work is currently causing for so many. So I don't think it's a Pollyanna pie in the sky idea. I just think it's going to take effort. It's going to take intention. It's going to take our ability as leaders to create companies that meet those two needs in a really intentional way, which also means that some of the old rules aren't going to apply. And what we've traditionally done in leadership is we've looked back at what worked for what we're going to do in the future. And we're not going to be able to do that anymore, especially now. We've never been in this place of um, cultural expectations coming out of burnout, then quarantine, which led to the great resignation, which led to quiet quitting. That Those aren't separate things. That's a continuum. And so this cultural expectations that we have now as humans met with this economic environment, a challenging economic environment that we're in now. We've never been here. And so we don't have textbooks that say, here's what we do now in leadership. We have to courageously look at building the kind of company that's going to satisfy both the business need and the human needs equally, not have this, we're going to bolt on culture, we're going to bolt on um, something for the people um, and still let the machine of the business run. We have to come at this with equal human needs, business needs. And if we do that, that's some good stuff. But this time, controlled time mindset needs challenged. You think about your calendar. <laughs> we schedule meetings based on how it fits on our calendar block, not how much time we're really going to need to solve a problem or to hear someone's challenges or frustrations. How many times have you been in a meeting? You're just getting to the heart of the issue at 40 minutes in. And then there's only 20 minutes left, but people need to leave earlier than that to get to their next meeting. And then somebody says, oh, we'll put some more time on my calendar and we'll continue this conversation. Well, that's not going to happen for another month or two based on everybody's busy schedules. So it's just, we just keep pushing things down the line because we're, our lives are run by Outlook and Google. <laughs> if it can't fit in that measured little box, it cracks me up. And then we had the movement. It used to be always an hour meeting. And then it moved to 45 minute meetings. And now people are scheduling, you know, 20 and 30 minutes. It's not about the amount of time. It's about looking at the situation and saying, why are we meeting? Who is this for? Why does it matter? What are we trying to solve? Who needs to be there to see if we can solve it? How much time will we need to really listen to everyone's issues and then to make a decision? And once we've assessed all of that, then we can say, okay, how much time do we need for this? It may be 40 minutes or it may be four hours or it could be two days. But if we looked at what we're trying to accomplish and what it's going to take to accomplish it and then scheduled based on those things, it might save us from 
five one hour blocks of time spread over the next five months where we just keep pushing the problem down the line. Oh, it's maddening. And, you're, and, and I used to teach time management. I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to do that for us today. I encourage you to grab the book, write your own story, dig into this concept of rhythm versus controlling time and, and, the, and, and the idea we're never getting caught up, but that's something that we constantly say, when I get caught up, I'm going to funny stories in there about that. I would love for you to read. Um, so let me just give you this, this takeaway for today. I want you to look at who annoys you <laughs> in your work. Maybe it's even in your personal life. Not because they're a not great human, but because they do things differently. They're late for meetings. They don't return messages in a timely manner. Look at those people that annoy you like that. And then ask yourself, what's the value that they do provide? What are their gifts and talents? What's, be curious about how they see things differently, how they do things differently. And if you really are courageous, schedule coffee with them. Schedule time with them and ask questions about how they see the world differently, how they do things differently, and see if it doesn't open up your heart and mind into new perspectives. I, I think back of when I was married and the kids were little and for homework, we, we, we didn't check in on homework. I just was not that parent. And when they would, kids would come to us and ask, they could always ask. They were always free to ask and we would do our best to help them. Um, the rule was that math questions went to Blaine and, and anything, language arts um, went to me. Those, we, we knew our sweet spot. And the way that Blaine processed math problems was way different than the kids were taught. And he could get the answers like that. But that whole show your work thing, the way he got there and the way that they were taught was completely different. But his answers were accurate, but it often led to this really challenging fight at the kitchen table with the kids saying, but that's not how we were taught. And him saying, but this is the answer. That's my point. What do you care about? how you get there or the answer. So open your mind up, meet with somebody that does things very differently and just see what you learn from them. All right, y'all. I hope that you make it an absolutely fantastic day. Love you, mean it. Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and then go to wethrive.live. First thing you'll see is a place to drop your email and join the movement. I'll send you tools that you can use to thrive in life and business. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. Oh.
Fun fact, if you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land. I'm not coming down.